Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I'm your host. This is my podcast. And uh, you know what? I say that intro every single time, every single week. And it sounds so rote. You know what I want people to start doing, which would be so cool? Email me you doing the intro to my show or uh, impressions of me doing the intro of my show. Um, and, and also Real Housewives of uh, wherever possible taglines for me, if I ever become a Real Housewife of uh, Los Angeles or uh, Hollywood or uh, Los Feliz or Silver Lake or what have you. Anyway, is there a Real Housewife of Pasadena? Because I would move to Pasadena to be a Real Housewife um, when I'm in my mid to late 40s, early 50s. Anyway, I'm all over the place already. Uh, I, I just got very excited. I was, I was starting to record this intro and then all of a sudden I got very inspired writing and I just started uh, writing in my journal uh, all these ideas for this project I'm working on um, while I was recording this intro. So uh, I'm going to have to, I, I've already edited that part out of me like whispering, talking to myself like, a, like I was possessed, like possessed by uh, some kind of inspiring uh, force of nature or whatever, some spirit uh, in the nether world or something that's uh, wanting to come through me to create something neat. And you know why I'm so inspired? I'm probably so inspired because of my fucking guest. Oh my God. Today's guest, uh, well, I've known her for years. She's a friend first and foremost, uh, I met her because uh, I, I had met... Okay, where do I begin? Oh my goodness, way too excited. Um, I met my guest, writer-director, Augustine Frizzell, who made her first feature that went to Sundance and is out now in theaters. It's called Never Going Back. You have to see it. I'll tell you all about it in a second. It's in theaters in Los Angeles and in New York, at the Angelica Theater in New York, and at the Arclight Hollywood in Los Angeles. Please, it's out this weekend. Run, don't walk. See it. It's a stony comedy about these two girls. Uh, I said I would tell you about it in a minute, but I'm too excited. These two girls, are they're, they, they, they're, they, all they want to do is get to the beach, and they are best friends or whatever they are. They're best friends. They're roommates. But all these things get in their way, going to the beach. They're, they've got to worry about being evicted. They've got to worry about their shitty job that they don't like and uh, whatever. It's such a romp. It's fucking fantastic. Augustine Frizzell wrote it, directed it, and now it's in theaters. And then she went on to, she just directed the pilot of a new HBO show that's right around the corner that's going to be so exciting. I can't wait to watch it. It's called Euphoria. And uh, anyway, but here's how I know her. Because years ago, I did some independent film and the DP of the movie was this guy, uh, his name is David Patrick Lowry, and we've been friends for like so many years, maybe 10 years, over 10 years. Anyway, he's gone on to become like this huge, incredible writer-director. I mean, he always was, but I met him as a, as a director of photography. We made a bunch of short films together. He's just like the, the sweetest sweetheart in the entire world, and he's one of my good friends. And then... He fell in love with Augustine and they have this beautiful relationship where they've been together for so many years and now they're this flourishing, wonderful, uh, inspiring, creative couple together. These this filmmaking couple, but you're going to hear Augustine's story. So I not only am I lucky to have met uh, to have met David, but of course, because he's such a wonderful, sweet, gentle, talented soul, of course, uh, the woman that he falls in love with who loves him right back is uh, is just as special and delicate and just so I mean these people they're like uh they're like jewels disguised as people anyway I don't know what I'm talking about okay I'm just very excited very excited because like one of the my favorite things about my podcast is I get to sit down with like you know with my friends and creative you know these creative people that I'm lucky to have in my life who are my friends who because I a long time ago I made a pack with myself where I was like 
I only want to surround myself with people who inspire me, who are creative. I only want, and I also, I made this other rule where I was like, you know, I only want to date people who I would have on my podcast because that makes no sense if I was, was going to date a person who I don't find fascinating enough to have as a guest on my podcast. That would be odd. But anyway, whatever. Um, that's neither here nor there. So um, yeah, so now I get to celebrate Augustine on the podcast because her, her movie is out and we need to get you in theaters to see it because it's such a joy to watch and such a fun romp. And it's just like, you're going to laugh and just have a great time. It's a perfect summer movie. Uh, it's called Never Going Back. And uh, you're welcome. Anyway, um, what else can I tell you? So I'm, I'm also inspired because of our conversation, Augustine um, is a mom and her daughter is just as magical as Augustine, just as magical as, as David. Um, and I have different relationships with all of them. You know, I have, I have individual relationships with David, Augustine, and Athena. And Athena is this uh, very creative teenager who's so deep and thoughtful and you know, uh, creative. And uh, Augustine got pregnant with Athena at 18 years old, had her when she was 19, and has had so many lives. You know, she Augustine raised her daughter beautifully. Um, she's She's been a... Oh my God, there's like a dog barking outside. The, the dog is excited about the podcast too. The dog's like, let me in. Let me in. I want to be part of this. I'm going to share your enthusiasm about, about, about stuff and Augustine and never going back and Athena and David. Anyway, um... So yeah, and she, not only does she have a great marriage, a beautiful, incredible daughter, she's, she also she was like a yoga, she's, she's certified a, a yoga instructor, she's just like lived a million lives and she's done so many cool things, and then this podcast we talk about as a woman, you know, like not needing permission from other people to know if it's okay to do what you want to do. You don't need anybody else's permission, you've got to grant yourself permission. And uh, we just talk about authenticity and and not being, um, God, how do I say this? Not being swayed by the time it takes to do something and just being patient and making sure you're happy along the way and keeping forward momentum and keeping up hope. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about a million different things, but this this podcast episode is for everybody because she's a talented, bright filmmaker and uh and she's just this is just just the beginning of her career but it's it's also really for women because augustine just shows you it's like she had a she had a crazy interesting uh you know upbringing you'll hear all about that you know in the podcast whenever i shut the fuck up and actually throw us over to the conversation but you know and she just took her time and kept it kept persevering and, and having all these different aspects of life and was happy all along the way. Her personality is just like effervescent. She's just so, you can just hear how kind she is when she talks. She's the most loving woman in the world. I could just burst into tears and I'm just so happy for all of her success. I want you to go see her movie. I want you to see every single thing she she ever makes and uh, you won't be disappointed. You'll be, you'll love it. And uh and this is just a really inspiring podcast for me and for all the girls listening. If you have dreams and you want to do things and you think you can't do them because you don't come from money or a perfect family or you think you're, uh, you know, your life's gone one way or you find yourself in a situation or you're a certain age or whatever the fuck you think, just change your mind frame, readjust the way you're thinking, keep going after what you want to, what you want to attain and aspire to do or whatever. And uh, yeah, because that's the whole point of life. 
why, why wouldn't you keep going after all the things you, you want in your life? Why ever give up? And uh, Augustine is just a testament to like playing the long game and uh, never stopping and persevering. Because she even made this movie. Oh, you'll hear it. She made this movie one time and it wasn't what she wanted it to be. And then she remade the movie. And look at it. I was just such a fucking badass. I, I haven't found a new word to replace badass because last week I was trying to find a new word. But you know what? Badass is stuck in my craw. Oh my God, I've never said that. Okay. Anyway, you guys, uh, let me just tell you all the things I have to tell you at the beginning of a podcast. Um, listen, if you like this podcast, if you like the Love Alexi podcast, and I hope you do, otherwise, why are you here? Uh, but don't leave. Come back. Subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. All of that really does help the show uh, grow and flourish so I can have more incredible guests like Augustine. And, um, you know, tell all your friends. If you'd like to advertise on the Love Alexi podcast, please send an email to dearlovealexi at gmail.com. If you want to support the show because uh, Love Alexi is an independent podcast and if you just want to make a donation so we can keep going and buy equipment and yakety schmackety, great, do it. You can fucking uh, donate money via Venmo at Alexi Wasser. You can become uh, a patron of the Love Alexi podcast by subscribing to my Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash Alexi. But uh, all that aside, um, I think you've heard it all, and I want you to get to know and fall in love with, just as I have, Augustine Frizzell. Hello, hello. Oh my goodness, it's all happening. We're podcasting. It's official. Oh my God, we're podcasting. How funny. Okay. Who am I here with? The Augustine Frizzell. Isn't this exciting? Okay. <laughs> so, exciting. so, I mean, this is so weird. Okay. So Augustine and I were just talking to the people listening, to the millions of people listening. We're just talking about feelings and getting deep and talking about all the real shit. And now we're going to podcast. Yes. We're going gonna... to... We may talk about some of that. Some of that too. Yeah. Okay. Tell me everything. How do we know each other? We know each other because you're friends. You're friends with me now. I'm but... friends with you now. <laughs> yes. I'm very good friends but with you now. My husband, David Lowry, is one of your close friends. One of my close friends. He's a, he's a Love Alexi alumni past guest and uh and now you're here i'm so excited because you're blowing him out of the water he can go fuck himself just kidding <laughs> sorry so, sorry david just kidding but it's uh it's, it's your time now anyway um all right so i mean this feels funny because we've just been having a funny emotional gossip sesh but uh i have a million questions for you you wrote and directed your first movie never going back yeah and I want to talk about every single... Okay, so it's out now. Where can people find it? Not yet. It opens in LA and New York on August 3rd. On August 3rd. And then expands from there. But it was just at the Arclight and you did a Q&A last night. Correct. Um, so you had made this movie. You were like, I want to know the whole story of you, like how you ended up because, you know, you were... This is new, right? Like how did this... You made this movie before and then kind of... Remade it, yeah. Tell me <laughs> yeah. your story. Tell me where you were born, how you, like, you're with David, you get married, you're teaching yoga, all these things. You have, you have a, a beautiful daughter who I have my own relationship with who's like, how old is she now? She's 19 now. Yeah. Re- Athena's 19? I know. She's just a full, full-grown full adult. Oh, my God. It's just so funny to have these, like, separate relationships with you, David, and then your daughter, <laughs> Athena. Um, but, yeah, get into everything. What's never going back about and, and what was... How, Tell us about how you made it before and kind of scrapped it and turned it into a short film and then what hell, you know. Yeah, so I wrote it once in 2014 and it was kind of a bare bones script. It wasn't, 
It wasn't great. It, was it wasn't great. great. Oh God. Wait, what was it about? It was about the same thing. It was about two girls. It was, it was based on my life as a teen growing up in Garland, Texas, which is like a suburb of Dallas. It's not tiny, but it's not, it's not progressive by any means. And so I grew up there and I uh, was living on my own at 15 and had a best friend and um, she and I got into a lot of trouble together. You did? <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought it'd be fun to, to make a movie about that. So I'd written a version of it. We shot it really fast for no money, like $30,000. Where'd you get the $30,000? From a business. grant. From, from, well, I had a grant that was um, from the Austin Film Society. Oh, wow. And then we did like a crowdfunding campaign. Wait, how do you get a grant? You just applied for it. It's a pain. It, it, like, it's a real pain in the ass. Like, it's a really long process. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's an amazing opportunity. And you actually learn a lot about what you're making by applying for a grant. But oh, I've you have to that. do a lot. You have to like write pages and pages of, you know, your synopsis and like where this came from and your vision for shooting it and like put together a full budget. And it, it's a long process. It's not just like filling out a thing and hoping to get it. That is a good thing because it, it does make you understand like, oh, what am I trying to say? Exactly. Oh, how do, oh, okay. And then, yeah, yeah. Then you learn a lot. So you, so you applied for that 2014. Yes. Only four years ago. All right, crowds. Okay, got, got some money. Got thirty thousand dollars together. Yes, thirty thousand dollars together to make a feature. Yeah, it's nothing. It sounds like I mean, like back in the day before I'd ever made anything. I actually remember David telling me that he'd made his first feature, Saint Nick, and I feel like he'd made it for like eleven thousand or thirty thousand somewhere in that range. I can't remember how much it was for pennies. And I just remember being like, "Where the fuck do you get that kind of money? Like, who has like an extra like thirty thousand dollars to yeah. just make a movie with?" Because yeah. I was so broke, I couldn't comprehend like how you get that much money yeah. and spend it on a movie. But now you hear thirty grand, and it's like, okay, that's not anywhere nearly enough. What like for what you would need to make a film? Yeah. Um, but anyway, we did it. We had a bunch of people volunteering and. Uh, shot for 16 days. The shoot was rough, obviously very hard. It was hot in Texas, and the script I didn't think was where it needed to be. And Wait, I so why did you like shoot? It. Why didn't you like it? Why wasn't it where it needed to be? And how many locations did you have? Because like, a ton, a 30, ton, thirty thousand dollars and a ton of locations. Yes, <laughs> wow, you didn't even write a one location movie. No, I should have. It was re- we had like twenty five characters. I mean, it was Jesus. really ambitious. That's awesome. It was crazy ambitious and. Honestly, when I think back to it, I'm like, okay, we pulled off something really difficult and did a pretty decent job for that movie, but I didn't think it was what I wanted it to be. And so I, oh, the reason why I did it that way is because we were leaving the country and David, he was going to go shoot Pete's Dragon. So I knew I only had a little bit of time to make something before I was going to be gone for six months. Of course, a woman has to make it work with her man. (laughs) She has to find the balance, always catering to the man. Unbelievable. Okay, but anyway, but that's because we're, you know, ethereal creatures who want to balance love and relationships and, you know. And we also want to live in New Zealand for six months. Of course, sounds like a dream. Okay, it yeah. was, yeah. 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 So you're shooting your stuff. Shot my thing, finished it, left town like two weeks after we wrapped. Were you editing during the shooting? No, I, I'd done a little bit of it, but no, it was too intense. So I was editing immediately after. And you edit. I do. And yeah. you edited it? I did. Holy shit. But what was your relation? Tell me, you know, tell me to fuck off if I say anything that's out of bounds. But there was some kind of... You didn't get along great with the DP. Something was off there. That is true. What happened there? Because I feel like my listeners can learn from that. We don't have to get gossipy or weird, but if the essence of that, from what I can understand, is there's a l- lack of respect 
and he was a man. He still is, I think. He's alive. <laughs> Unless you killed him. Unless no, David murdered him. <laughs> no, it's true. I mean, I don't like to get gossipy about it. We like, don't have to get gossipy, but as far but as yeah, like... Yeah, there, like there was a difference in vision. There was a difference in working style. There was a difference in taste and things that... You know, and so communication, communication, respect. respect, all those things. Yeah. So it was just a difficult per- personalities clashing. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, yeah, you found so. that out when it was too late, when it was already in the midst. <clears throat> yeah. That. So what's like something you can tell listeners who want to make their first film? Like you know, even for me, for yeah. you know, hiring somebody and and you think you're going to get along with them, and then and then what happens? Like how can you protect yourself better? Yeah. Oh shit! I thought. Who's calling? Pick it up. Is it for me? My oh my god! Want to pick it up? Should I? Should we record it? Put it on speaker. <laughs> this is Augustine. She's podcasting. Put it on speaker. Thank you. Ah! Should I? You should put it on speaker. We can cut it out. Hey, the... how's it going? Pick Sorry this out. about that. That was incredible. <laughs> I took this out. I did a, an Insta story. Okay, I'm gonna be. I'm picking the sound off of it. Okay, All right, cool. mid podcast. All right. Um. So. Okay, yeah. So if you're hiring people because you're about to like be so intimate and you yes. have your whole crew together and you you talk to a DP and then what happens? You thought you were on the same page and then you well, don't. Well, no. I mean, I think there are signs early on, but I think my I've noticed something about myself in that I have I tend to overlook people's flaws. Yeah. That's nice. on a regular basis. Oh, thank God. And I end up paying for it later. And so I feel like um it's something like, I don't know what it is. It's like a a kindness or like some sort of like consideration I want to extend to people that I meet and especially people who feel they they seem like difficult to me. I don't know what it is. If it's like a mothering trait where I'm like, I just want to make it, I want everyone to get along. And so I, I want to, you know, bring them into the circle so we can like smooth things over. They may be difficult, but I feel like maybe it's like that fixer part of a personality. Yeah. You know, like people pleaser or yeah. fixer. Or, yeah, yeah. Just, I get it. Yeah. yeah. And I end up like hiring people that may not be the right person for the job because I feel like I feel yeah. sorry for them or, you know, I want to help them along and whatever the case that, that doesn't apply there, but you have a big no, heart and you hope, you hope for the best. I always, ho- yeah, I go in and I always hope for the best and I'm, a lot of times I'm disappointed, Yeah, <laughs> but I try to work intuitively in other areas and, and that's one area where I'm very much in my head. Like, anyway. Yeah. So my advice yeah. is to make sure that you are listening to your gut because your gut tells you, and I always know these things, like I can feel it and be like, I don't know. But then I reason with myself, well, they, you know, this for this reason or that reason, and I want to bring them on or work with them or whatever. Yeah. But listen to your gut and, and truly like listen to it. Don't, don't like put it in the backgrounds, like yeah. listen. And then a DP is, they should be your like number one partner on the oh, shoot. Wow. And yeah. I didn't know that because of that relationship. I I didn't know that we should be the two people on the shoot who were the closest and who are like working together so closely and like with such a trusting relationship. I didn't know that. And I'm figuring that out now. Yeah. <laughs> and then my DP for this version is amazing. And she's a woman named Greta Zozula and and I could trust her so thoroughly. I knew that no matter what, she was everything was going to look beautiful. And oh, wow. you know, if I didn't know what I was doing because it was my first feature, I could turn to her and and get good advice. Yeah. Or you know, we would make great ideas together. It was just such a good relationship, and that is what I would hope for your feature. Yeah, and like for anyone setting out to make a movie, that you find a DP that 
is your best friend, essentially. Is your best friend. Yeah. Okay, so you made the first movie. What was that called? It was also called Never Going Back. Never Going Back. And then what did you do with it? You, I went to New Zealand. I went to New Zealand. I quickly put an edit together, hoping that I could get it to South by Southwest in time. And and then I just, I didn't like it. I didn't think it was what I wanted. I knew we needed to do a couple of reshoots. There were some things that felt like they needed to be clarified within the film. And, and so... I was just like sitting with the footage and sitting with the experience that had been really negative and was like, I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to put this out, but maybe I do. And may, but, but submitting it to the festival meant potentially having to fly back to do, if it had gotten in, like to leave New Zealand and go do that. And, and also to do reshoots ahead of time. So I was like, I don't know, there were a lot of things weighing on it. So then I was like, well, I'll just wait. I'm going to wait, finish time in New Zealand. I will finish it when I get back. And then, um, submit next year yeah and then I I like for a number of reasons um but one of them being my current producer Toby Halbrooks he was there in New Zealand and all the producers were very supportive but Toby specifically he was like why don't you just uh remake the whole thing like I'll help you produce if you want to do reshoots but if you want to just remake the whole thing yeah take your time like you want to make script changes make script changes rewrite the scripts like do what you want to do and then I'll help you produce it because this is promising (gasps) there's like bits within this that feel like they could start your career you know if you did this right then you could have that and he was like so take advantage of your resources and you know he's my husband's producer so I was like I don't want to I don't want to like rest on my husband's laurels. I need my own team and I want to do it my own way and my own people. And then the more I talked to Toby and James and and David, they were just like this industry is hard. Like if you have people offering to help take their help, it doesn't matter who they are, like just do it. And so so I did. I was like, okay, you're right. Like why not use these people who are so smart and we are on the same page and they're my close friends and then do something with them instead. So And then who is James so so the audience knows? He's another member of their producing collective called Sailor Bear. And who who produced the first version of Never Going Back? Did Toby? Uh, different people. Different people. Different people, but um Liz Cardenas, she's oh. on this version as well. She was one of the producers and she and I ended up she working together and she's she's like one of my good friends and yeah. we're doing this one now um but the other producers from the first go round are are not involved not involved was that also a learning experience okay yeah. well, everything's a learning experience but uh, <laughs> Always, yeah. okay so in the second so what are all the things you did in between with this second uh go around with never going back because i know you went to richard linkletter's Retreat. Oh. Tell me all the things you did, and didn't you cut? You cut never going back into a short, and it got into South by. Oh right, right, yeah. So the first version, I decided at that point, I was like, okay, I'm not going to release it. I'm going to rewrite it. I'm going to remake it, um, and I'm just going to scrap the first one. No one ever has to see it. I'm just going to leave it alone. And then oh. as uh, time passed, I was like, well, maybe I could cut this into a short because a lot of people did work on it. I would like to have something to put out in the world, and you know, kind of a proof of concept for the feature that I'm remaking. And so I did that, cut it into a short. I was living in LA at the time. We did a couple of days of reshoots here in LA. Yeah. And then we added it to the footage and, and by we, I mean me and like, and then uh, cut it together. And then, yeah, it played South by and a bunch of other festivals, which was a, it was a great time. That is so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay. So then that, that, what happens after that? So then after that played South by, I had gotten a pretty, 
I'd, I'd gotten um, like a brand new version of the script done at that point. And I submitted it to this. Well, I submitted it to get another grant. That's what it was. And so all of the grant applications at AFS, Austin Film Society, they're automatically um, in the running for this like retreat thing that they have. It's called the Artist Intensive and it's at Richard Linklater's ranch in, oh in Austin. Yeah. Yeah. And so you go with your script and, and you get to workshop a scene. You get to read the entire script with actors and kind of get feedback and stuff. So that was huge. It was um, me and two other participants and we went in uh, and got such good feedback. And with that, and we had like a mentor, like Jamie Babbitt was my mentor, which oh, was wow. huge, yeah. but I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. She's the director of that. Yeah. So fantastic. And so, um, yeah, so I took all those notes and, and went back in and made more changes and like did more rewriting and then finally got the script to a place that felt Good, and then we sent it out and um, got actors attached and got funding. We actually got the funding before we ever had actors attached, which really? was really unusual. Yeah, but again, it was such a small budget. I mean, it wasn't thirty grand; it was more than that. But it was a really small budget, so yeah. we had five investors. Wow, who found those? Toby, Toby. Oh my god, yeah. that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Five investors because he just had relationships with people already. Yeah, and they were excited about the idea of the movie. Like they'd read the script and yeah. they thought it was interesting. Um, and of course, Sailor Bear has a reputation for producing, you know, quality work. Yeah. And so they're like, okay, yes, this is a small budget, but if Sailor Bear is attached, we feel comfortable that it's going to be a quality product. And um, so, yeah, so we got the investors, then found the actors. Having the money first was huge because it freed me up to cast whoever I wanted and whoever was right for the role and not who would like bring us money or whatever. And yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I came here and auditioned some girls and found our lead actresses and, and then we made it. Yeah. So what was that process? Like you had a better, you better relationship with the DP, your, you know, what did you shoot it on too? I oh, know that's like such a, Oh, the, we shot it on the Alexa. Um, what is, I, we shot it on an Alexa. Yeah. I remember. No, no, we shot some on the Alexa. We shot the Ari Amira. Okay. Um, so we were on the Amira and the Alexa. I just remember you were so ex- you were so excited. You're so specific. Like you knew exactly what you wanted, and you like did test shoots too, right? Like and you. Yeah, we did some like, rehearsal. We did a week of rehearsals. Yeah, and then you did a little bit of testing. Then and you got Kyle Mooney. Yeah, that was huge. Your yeah. two lead girls, and then uh, but a lot of those cast from the first one too. The same cast from the first. Two version. guys that were in the first version were in the new version. Yeah, I think everyone else was new. How many days did you shoot for? 20. 20 days. Yeah, so still not many. Yeah. Oh my God, so it's so fast. So what were the crazy, like, what are the craziest, most stressful days on that shoot? Uh, well, I mean, it's already out there, so I guess we could talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of our lead actresses, she and a couple of the other people went out one weekend in Texas and rolled mechanical bulls, and she hurt her neck. Oh, God. So, like, How old are these girls? She was, she was like teenagers? 20 at the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like young. And, oh, my God. Uh, what a nightmare. They're the best. I love them so much. But um, yeah, so she went out and hurt her neck, and so we had to like what was already our most intense portion of the schedule became even more intense. We had to cut a bunch of, you know, planned coverage and just, we had to get an extra camera and bring it in. So that little section, everything at the sandwich shop pretty much was like really jam packed and, and really hard. And then when we had to take out half of like lose her for one day and then like compress everything else that became 
what felt like impossible, but we did it because yeah. my DP is a badass and like, <laughs> it's yeah. just like she's hustles and, and gets it done. So and you that had was good great. producers who were, who could juggle. Producers did it. Toby, I mean, made shit happen. Like, Whoa. yeah. I mean, everyone was just like working really hard to get it done. Wait, while you're making the movie, what is your relationship like with David, your husband, who is also a filmmaker, but then you're so independent and you want your autonomy and everything within the relationship, but how did you guys balance your marriage and your love and your relationship when you're making your first feature? I mean, you did it once before. It was a whole other version of you. And, and yeah, how did you do that? You I guys? think... Um I think David was out of town for like the first portion Where of it. Did he yeah, go? Where I don't know. He's off somewhere making another movie, or di- what was he doing last summer? How was he doing? Press for because he had Ghost Story opening, so oh. he was he was out doing that. I think I honestly, yeah, who knows where he is at any given time? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> On Instagram, no. looking at cat photos. Yeah, totally. Like sending me right, like every 10-minute updates on our cats, which is my favorite thing in the oh, world. Oh, God. Um, Augustine is actually wearing a shirt, a cat shirt. <laughs> this is so cute. It's just a white shirt with a bunch of different pictures of cats on it. But go on. Okay, it was so. a gift. Everyone who knows to get me stuff For gets me Kitty cats. stuff? Yeah. So he's out living his life. Mm-hmm. And like, were you, uh, were you just like... I'm doing my own thing. Yeah. I mean, yeah, basically. Yeah. So at that portion, it is just my thing. Like I'm doing my thing, but there are times when he's a big voice and you know how things are going. Like with edit, once I'd gotten the basis of the film, he would come in and give notes and feedback and help me with edit because he's such a brilliant editor and he can see cuts that I would never even envision. Really? Yeah. So he helps in that, and he helps on at the script level and gives notes there. But mm-hmm. on the day to day, he was just gone. He was, yeah, he, he was gone. gone. I think he visited set like twice or something. Wow! Mm-hmm. And uh, oh my goodness! And he's very supportive. He comes in and gives me hugs and, and watches. He's like, "You're so happy on set. I'm so like miserable on set." Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I don't think you're miserable. You hide it well. Like he hides it really well. But I feel I, I love being on set. Like I love directing and I love that whole process. Yeah. So I do get in my my happy zone. How did you know you wanted to do this? Because before when I when you when you and David got married, what were you doing? Acting. You were acting. Acting or trying. Yeah, trying to. Like, yeah. I'm not a great actor, but no, I just kind of I love movies and I've always loved being on set and as soon as I started acting and being on more sets, I wanted to do it more. And I'd always been writing, I'd written stories and like kept journals and and so I was actually, I'd wanted to make something for a long time and I was too embarrassed to say it to David. I was really, do you know that feeling where, yes, of course <laughs> I do. Yeah. Yeah. You're around someone who's accomplished and who's been doing it so long. And you're like thinking that if you say, Hey, I might want to make a movie they will be like, stick to your, you know, stick to what you know, stay, don't do this. Like you don't have any experience. Like, you know, and so I had this fear that I would be judged or something, but that wasn't the case at all. David was super supportive and he was like, yeah, you should totally do it and, and let me help you figure out how. And so he's like, this is kind of what you do. You like ask people to help you and like generally they'll come over and they'll, they'll help you do the thing. Yeah. So my first short, we shot it at my house. David, myself, and Athena were in it. Really? Yeah. What was this called? What was it about? It's called Clean. It's about, it was kind of like a farce. It was like um, a mom wakes up, or mom gets home from work. It's like the house is filthy, shit's everywhere, and uh, and her, like, 
her family, her husband and daughter are just kind of flippant. They, I mean, they're not like assholes. They're just like, oh, we didn't realize like it was dirty. And then she wakes up the next day and I don't know, it's, it's like, and they're, they've died. It's kind of like a faux horror film. Yeah. Anyway, it's super cute, but it was a first effort. Looks amazing. My DP was great. Brett Curry. Wait, when Um, did this happen? How long ago? That was in... 2012? 2012? 2013, maybe. Wow. Yeah. It's yeah. okay. So you, you and David have been together for three years, and you're finally, you're like kind of brave. You've been thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Brave enough to say, hey, I want to try this, and you're supportive, and you made mm-hmm. this thing, and then what? And then, you and then I just loved it. You I loved just remember it. finishing it that day. Like the schedule was insane. I, I thought we could do it in like 12 hours, just have a day, and it was 16 hours later that we're all exhausted, and it's like three or four in the morning, and, and, I just remember being so feeling so alive and just hustling and and telling everyone it's fine like we're going to like let's just finish it and like rallying the troops and just having such an amazing time doing that. Yeah. And then laying in bed after it was done exhausted just thinking, "Oh my god, I I did it. Like I made my first short film and and I can't believe it and I can't wait to look at the footage tomorrow and just all this stuff and then the next day and like for days after I was like, I can't believe I've actually made a movie now. Like I made a short and yeah. I was completely addicted. I was like, I have to do this again. I have to do it again immediately and, oh my God. and as often as possible. Did you, and did you teach yourself how to edit at that moment? I, I'd learned how to edit at my, so I homeschooled Athena my daughter, I homeschooled her for like 12 years, but a portion of that was unschooling and that's like a other, another facet of homeschooling. Unschooling? Yeah. Unschooling is a, unschooling. Is a facet of of homeschooling? Yes. Okay, what's that? It is child-led learning. It's um, You don't use like typical curriculum. You don't teach them, you know, based on, you know, any of the compulsory education. Like you let them lead the way and you let them decide what they want to do. And so we did that for many years. And once a year they had an unschooling conference where you go and like hang out with other unschoolers and, and uh, you can take workshops. And one of the workshops was editing and it was on Final Cut Pro. And I went and did this workshop and became obsessed with editing and oh spent God. the entire weekend there in like this room and ended up making a film at the workshop with a bunch of the kids yeah. and spent the weekend editing it. And I just wanted to edit at that point. Oh my God. How interesting. It's like, it's like you had a, you had Athena when you were how old? I was 19. 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So like, and you have such an amazing life and you've done so many things and you're flourishing now and you've accomplished all this stuff. And like, you're on the precipice of like an even brighter, more exciting future. But the fact that like, and it's so inspiring because you had a child when you're 19, when you're like a baby. Yes. So sometimes people might think like, oh my God, like my life's over. This is crazy. I've got to be dedicated to my kid. But then instead, like, you know, you learned from it and within it and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like, like what was that like? Like, wh- who were you dating and who was the person you had a kid with? And was that so scary? And I don't know why it wasn't. But, you know, I mean, if you've seen the movie or heard about my story, I was out on my own at an early age. And so I felt like... Why? Um, my, so, uh, well, (laughs) 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 so my mom and dad divorced when I was like six, my mom remarried. And then, um, when I was 15, my stepdad came to my mom and they'd been together like seven years or something. And, um, 
he was leaving her for this other family that he'd been with for like... He had a secret family? He had a secret family, yeah. Oh my God, that's your next movie. I know, with like two kids, like this whole deal. And so um, rightfully so, my mom had a nervous breakdown and, you know, kind of lost it. It was so out of the blue. It was so random and I don't think anyone was expecting it. And so I went to live with my dad who is uh, not a responsible parent, at all, yeah. not capable of um, taking care of family or kids. The nicest person in the world, That's good. <laughs> loving, wonderful. I never felt anything but love from him, but not capable of raising kids. Um, so I lived there for a bit. Didn't get along with my stepmom. Uh, came back home to my mom's, wanting her to let me move back in. But at that point, she'd rented out my bedroom and oh, wow. had another woman and child living there. And so she's like, "You can't stay here." And you're going to have to go back to your dad's. And, and I was like, he's not going to let me in. Like, my stepmom's a monster. They're never going to let me move back in. Um, and so she's like, I'm sorry. That's just the, that's what you have to do. And so yeah. I left. And it, my brother and his girlfriend went with me. And we got to, snuck his girlfriend along, who was also 15. Oh, wow. You're, um, all, you're all 15? He was 17. She, was, she and I were 15. And so um, we got there. But she also had a rough home life, too. So she was fine to, like, leave. And my dad said, no, you can't stay. And so we ended up moving and living in a motel for like three months in Florida. Oh, my God. Wait, so you went from where to Florida? Oh, to Florida, yeah. But where were you before? Garland, Texas. Garland, Texas. How did you end up in Florida? Whoa, whoa, whoa. My dad lived there. Oh, yeah, got it. So you tried to go back to Garland, Texas to be with your mom. Yes, was this a phone call or did you actually get on a plane and knock on I the door? I got on a bus and showed up at her door. Yeah. And then you go back to, to <laughs> Then she Florida. put me back on a bus. She's Jesus. like, no, you have to go. And I didn't want to. I was like, please, we'll just, you know, let me share a room. She's like, I'm sorry, I can't. Oh you my know, whatever, God, whatever. Augustine. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, it sounds like it sounds bad. I guess it was, but I think, I don't know. I don't know how... I mean, we've patched things up. I recognize, especially having been a mom, like you go through struggles and you make decisions and sometimes they're not the best decisions or you end up regretting them for years, which I think she's lived with for a long time. And Turning um, back on her daughter a bit. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, So, but it happens. Yeah. (laughs) So we ended up living in a motel and... uh, and panhandling and like stealing for food and just uh, hitchhiking to work. We didn't have cars. We were not actually legally working age. And um, and that kind of imploded. And uh, my brother ended up staying in Florida. He and his girlfriend split up. It yeah. was just too much. But she and I became best friends. And we moved back to Texas together. Oh. And that's when we got this house with some roommates and we were, we actually forged our IDs and got jobs at IHOP because you had to be, I don't remember how, I think you had to be 16 to waitress and we were just 15. So we like forged our birth certificates, got jobs and yeah. And then just lived on our own in this house for a couple of years. And, um, and then, uh, and then, yeah, where was I? It's kind of like this Pippi Longstocking kind of like figuring it out. Oh, but in the movie, which is such a cool thing and like such a, this is why I think it's, this movie is totally female gaze like because I mean, whatever that means if that makes sense to anybody but uh I feel like there's this component of your movie where it's this ambiguous kind of sexual but not tawdry or over the top relationship between the two girls where they like they make out or they're kind of sexy with each other they're flirtatious it's like are they in love are they dating are they heterosexual are they bisexual like what's the deal but you don't really go into it and I feel like I relate to that because you know, in my 
when I was younger, like I matured faster than boys and I had my girlfriends were so overtly sexual and I liked guys, but also I was like, would make out with my best girlfriends sometimes, not always, but like did go through a period of that. So did you have that relationship with your brothers now, the next girlfriend? Yeah. <laughs> How cool. <laughs> I know it's funny when you think about it that way. Someone asked me that and he was like tiptoeing around it. And then, um, I, so it was for this like article in a magazine in, in Dallas. And he was like, so he kind of like, and I was like, if you're asking if I had sex with the same girl that my brother had sex with, the answer is yes. Oh and my God. Was like, yeah. This is so weird to put it like that. And then I didn't even think about it until later they do like, like a fact checker, they call you and like run your quotes by you and make sure that's what you said. And she read it back to me. I was like, oh God, like this is oh. other in such a weird way. But yeah, I mean, the basis of it is yes, like that is the case. We yeah. had a sexual relationship and she wasn't the first girl that I'd had that with at the time. And it was something, yeah, I don't know what it is about. I mean, maybe it's just the thing that I put out and attract or, or what, but Several of my friendships have been that way, and I never saw it as anything. I never, I never felt the need to like put a label on it, especially with my best friend, who we were best friends for years. We still talk even to this day. Yeah, um, but I never felt the need to label it. I mean, I guess I identify as bisexual. Now I'm married to a man and have been for coming on eight years. But, um, but yeah, with the movie. I thought long and hard about it. I thought, do I just make them a couple? But that's not what she and I were. So yeah. I don't want it. I don't want to detract from the fact that they are like lifelong best friends. Not that being a couple detracts from that. There's something that when you add like the when you put labels on it and say, hey, they're a couple, then then it. I don't know. It, it changes it. And so yeah. I just wanted I, I wanted them to exist in their life the way that we were and the way that a lot of girls that I talked to are without having to define it. Totally. Yeah. We shouldn't have to define it. And so, and yeah. So yeah, they definitely have, and it's implied several times. They talk about having sex to a certain degree or, you know, they infer it and, um, and Brandon mentions it and he's a character in the movie. Um, and so, yeah, they definitely do. But then also showing it became this whole other thing. Like, is that exploitative? Like, is that like a thing they're like, oh, you're just uh, putting two attractive girls on screen, like making out to satisfy like the imaginations of men everywhere and like what they think women do in their spare time. And it's like, I'm not going to do that. But I wish I could because it's real. And to me, it speaks as real. It doesn't to everybody. I know this is like my version of what a real friendship is between two women. It's not everyone's version of it. So you have to be really conscious about those things and like conscientious. And Yeah. And it's these two girls' story. It's a right. specific story between these two girls and it's based on your life. But what did your friend think of it when she saw it? She, well, she hasn't seen this version of it yet, but we've talked about it and she kind of knows. She saw the first version and she was just <laughs> she really tickled. She, she was? Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. good. I mean, she's amazing. She, I asked her, I was like, you know, I'm probably going to be doing a lot of press and talking about this. And she's like, hey, my life's an open book. I'm yeah. excited. Anytime this movie gets brought up, I'm like, hey, that's based on me. And <laughs> She's like, I brag about it all the time. I was just like, I don't care. I'll tell anybody anything. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I thought. That's the same with me. My, I don't have anything to hide. And if anybody wants to know anything, I'm an open book because I think that's how we learn. And that's how I've learned. Yeah. Listening to other people's paths and watching how they overcame. Or So you make the second movie. Mm-hmm. You, it's, you, know, you make Never Going Back. Mm-hmm. The one that, you know, that's going to be out, out yeah. soon. Uh, and what do you... It's a different experience. You're happy with it. 
mm-hmm. you know, you you like it very much. So yeah, and and you and it gets into Sundance. Yes. So tell me how that kind of changed everything. Yeah. Um, well, even before it got into Sundance, um, Sailor Bear, they are repped at WME, and so WME knew we were making it, knew it was like a new Sailor Bear project, and and had been waiting to see it. And uh, once we had a cut ready, they were they were insistent. They're like, send us a cut, send us oh a God. cut. And so we finally sent them a cut, and they went crazy over it and just signed me immediately. And uh, so that was a huge step, having that representation, and I think that... Adds to the into the progress of my career. So had that happened, then it played Sundance. Um, and and I, then, I'd seen you. The, I'd seen you the year before at Sundance. So yeah, and like you know, that was like the whole goal is like, oh my god, get a movie in the next next year. And yeah, you did it. Yeah, and so like yeah, but so was that a blast? Was it stressful? Was it like it was both amazing and also incredibly stressful? I don't. I mean, I've, Sundance is the dream. It's like the epitome of what you're hoping to accomplish, and so. That being realized is, it's almost like you're stepping, well, you can't step, like you are stepping outside of yourself, but also you can't yet because you're so in it. And so it's hard to, it's hard for me. I don't know if it's hard for everyone else to comprehend what's happening as it's happening. It's usually afterwards that I can look back and be like, oh, that was crazy. Like what's going on? Whereas in the moment, my head's like whirling and I have so many thoughts and so much, there's so much pressure resting on this thing. How does it do? What are people going to say? How are they going to respond to it? And so, yeah, because even when things get into Sundance, this is something I learned after the fact. Because I I remember David having a film and it played Sundance, then it played Cannes and he had like all this great reception and he was still just miserable. Like Really? Yeah. like With which movie? Ain't the Body Saints, like his first film. Yeah, or his, his first like big film. And so he was just beating himself up over things he wished he would have done differently. And and I'm like, everything's going so well. Like, how can you be anything but excited yeah. and happy? Uh, it It's such a huge thing to have these festivals. And, and now I understand, yeah, you get in, but that doesn't mean that <laughs> you don't stop stressing about the thing that you made and how people are responding to it. In fact, it heightens all that yeah. to a large degree. And so it was stressful. I was very scared and I have, you know, public speaking issues. And so like getting on those? stage and doing... Oh, getting on stage? <laughs> yeah, and doing Q&As or like answering questions and like having people, you know, look at you. <laughs> look at you! Oh, wow, just that. Yeah, that's scary. That is like a really honest, real, like component of all that stuff. Yeah. It's fucking scary to get, yeah. Yeah. And all all these judgmental people too, probably. I mean, like, and critics and other filmmakers and people you respect and actors. Like, fuck. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. And so you're seeing reviews come out and you're seeing, because, you know, you have like a publicist and they're sending you like press reactions and responses and all this stuff. And and you can have like, 10 good ones. I was just telling you this earlier. You can have like 10 positive reviews. And then there's like at the bottom of the page, like the three people who didn't respond. And it'll usually be just like, I, this film is not for me. Like there's <laughs> nothing else. <laughs> oh, which, is, which is why? Fine. Like tell me what you hated about yeah. it. Like what's wrong with it? What's wrong with me? Like, yeah. <laughs> and so um, that's, a, it's a mind trip because you don't, I didn't anticipate. I, I anticipated like, okay, people are going to think it's stupid. They might not get it. They might think it's not funny. Um, but I didn't anticipate like people getting angry about it. Oh, or who's s- angry about it? Why are they angry about it? A lot of people have found it to be, um, I mean, in the reviews that I've read say 
some stuff that I don't think is necessarily true. And so it's like, do I listen to the things that they're saying and try and analyze and, and take those into consideration? Or do I just say, hey, this movie isn't for them. They didn't get it. This yeah. isn't uh, what I was trying to do. They've misinterpreted. And so how, how does that play into what I'm going to do next? Like, do I consider that? And honestly, like when I set out to remake the movie, having seen the first version and looking at the things that I did that supposedly would have satisfied like satisfied like the the traditional um like uh what is it structure of a movie like some stuff I'd put in there were like traditional movie structured things and those were the things I hated most about the first version of the film oh. I felt they were boring and they didn't speak to me personally so when I set out to make this version of it I decided to not make any decisions based in fear. So if I had an idea and I thought it was funny, but I was a little worried, like, how are people going to react to this? Are they going to be okay with it? I decided, fuck that. Like, I'm just going to do it the way I want to do it. If it makes me happy, I'm going to go forth. Because at the end of the day, no matter what, unless you're like the rare unicorn of a movie, someone's going to hate it. Someone's going to hate your movie. There are going to be people who like it, then there are going to be people who hate it, even if you're fucking... I mean, I look at like Phantom Thread that I think is a near perfect movie. Yeah. And then I see people shit on it. Even the Mr. Rogers movie. Have you seen this amazing movie? I wept. I loved it so, so much. So good. Because it's exactly what I struggle with where it's like you want permit, you want to be loved. You want to know like you're, you're, you're meant to be here. I don't know. Whatever. Like whatever. It's, it's the best movie. And yeah. his, his whole life's purpose was so beautiful and yeah. so positive and optimistic and even he had haters i'm like who's hating on mr rogers like fuck these guys saying that mr rogers is the reason for like millennials (laughs) oh being coddled yeah and and having yeah like uh, thinking they deserve like having a sense of entitlement entitlement because of mr rogers i'm like okay fuck you if mr rogers has (laughs) if that's what yeah then i just have no time for this yeah yeah so i set out to make something that satisfied me ultimately and if uh you know, people are going to hate it, then I should at least be the person who likes it. You're so and right. So that's what I did. Oh my God. Yeah. And it's not for everyone. It's not I'm for everyone. Not for everyone. <laughs> yeah. What happened uh, after? So you, and then it's sold to? It's sold to A24. Okay. And then what is it? What happens next? Yeah. Like, so then, um, yeah, I mean, then I just started coming out and taking meetings and um, finding what I was going to do next. And I have a script that I've written. For, I thought that would be what I'd be doing next. Like yeah. this other script is a drama. What's that? It's a drama. It's kind of like the dramatic version of my life in a way, but completely fictionalized. It's it took like the kind of like the bones of what happened in real life. Then I wrote a completely fictionalized it's actually like a this is a full on um love story between two girls and which is something I want to write about. I think yeah. it's um I think it's important and I think it's a movie I don't think we see enough movies about, I mean, I don't think we see enough like gay movies in general and yeah. especially ones that are done with care and with love. And I mean, I mean, I guess they all are, but there just aren't as many as there should be. Did you like Blue is Warmest Color? I loved that movie. Me too. Yeah. I loved it. And I thought it was so beautiful. And yeah. I, and I like the, you know, people were like, oh, the gratuitous sex scenes between the girls and the, the filmmakers exploiting them. It's a male filmmaker. So that like makes it on another level of weirdness and people being upset. But I was like... I thought it looked beautiful, and I and this is what they look like fucking and making love or whatever. And I'm like, I'm into this, and I'm a woman watching this, and I enjoy it. And this does exist, and mm-hmm. it's a male filmmaker, but 
I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just really, I thought it was, I don't know. I don't know what the story I love the movie. Yeah. yeah. I thought it was great. Yeah. It was a perfect balance of like uh, sexuality and feeling and then like how like in a relationship when it ends. Mm-hmm. That all, was all takes that one moment, and then you can't get back from that. Oh, Oof. it's very powerful. Yeah, I love that movie. Yikes! Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh my god. But uh, okay, so you you wrote this movie, mm-hmm. and so that's what you think. Yeah, you're... that's what I thought I'd be doing, and then I was sent some other stuff, and then found that there were some other projects that I responded to. I mean, you get sent a million things, and most of them you're like, ah, this isn't for me. Or this doesn't, you know, suit me. And then every once in a while, something comes along, and it's something that you never would have conceived of on your own and it feels creatively inspiring. And, and so that's kind of how I did the pilot for tell HBO. Me, tell us all about that. So wait, so how, okay, so you, did you know at Sundance you were going to sell the movie to A24? Did that come weeks later or like, or what was that all about? Was that like a... It's a process. We knew that they liked it. We got a phone call the night that it premiered saying that A24 just loved it. Oh my God. And then we had other interests too. And so we had a bunch of other, you know, people wanting to place bids and wanting to distribute it. But I mean, from the minute I heard A24 wanted it, I was like, just sell it. My God, why are, what are we doing here? Like, just do it. Like, it's a done deal. They're the coolest. Why are they the coolest? (laughs) They just have good taste. Yeah. They put out good stuff and they have uh, interesting marketing and they feel like they're tapped into the pulse of, I mean, they just have good taste. Yeah. Yeah. So they are the coolest. Yeah. <laughs> so they are the coolest. So, okay. So and that's then, what I wanted from the start. Yeah. But yeah, then it took a few weeks. I mean, we had to get the other offers and like hear whatever everybody else had to say, but in my mind, it was a done deal. Like nobody else is going to surpass them. It doesn't matter what they're offering. Like yeah. just take the deal with the A24. Yeah. And so we ended up taking it. Um, and yeah. And then from there, just uh, now it's coming out. So how did the... HBO thing come about. So, and what what is that about? And, and I want to know everything. How it came to be, what the show was, and what the experience is like. So, the show is a teen drama. It is uh, written by Sam Levinson. Sam had a film playing in the midnight section at Sundance too, and so we met at the Sundance orientation and just hit it off. He's such a great guy and like yeah. such an interesting human being and and we just had like an immediate connection and talked and talked and talked. Oh, what was his movie? Uh, Assassination Nation. Assassination Nation. That's about a bunch of teenagers. It's about teens too. Yeah. yeah it comes okay. out in September. Yeah. Yeah. So we hit it off and then we ran into each other at actual Sundance uh, and again started talking and he was like, hey, I have this thing. I'm going to send it to you. And so he sent me this first three episodes of the show that he'd written. Wow. And simultaneously, my agent had written and said, there's this show that might be happening at HBO. I think it'd be perfect for you. Like, it's about teens oh and God. it's a female in the center and it, there, there's drug use and, you know, all this stuff. I think it'd be perfect for you. So he'd set up a meeting at HBO. HBO had seen my movie and liked it. And so um, kind of everything congealed, you know, it all like came together. And so... Mm-hmm. Um, so I read the episodes and went crazy for it. Oh my god. It's so good and it's it's unlike anything that's on TV at the moment and it also spoke to me on a personal level because it's about anxiety and how you know you're like the world at large it's not just things that happen to you directly, but it's like an energetic thing, the world at large and all of the negativity that happens and how that weighs heavy on you and changes your brain chemistry and yeah, and the effects of that and how it can lead to drugs and how it can lead to self-destructive behavior, all this stuff. So anyway, it's just like this beautiful, beautiful pilot. 
And so once I got it, I was immediately like, I need to know more. And yeah. so after Sundance, I came back to LA and had meetings and Sam and I got together and talked. And then HBO was like, okay, we want to seriously like consider her as the as the director of this. And so, so at that point, I just started uh, putting together all the pitching materials that you put together. You make a lookbook and you just like, I had like eight or nine pages of character analysis and like wow. a story and like all of these things that I'd, that I'd felt and like, you know, uh, culminated from having read the episodes and pitched that to A24 who'd come on board as producers of the show Euphoria. Oh, that's incredible. So you already have a relationship with A24. Yes. Okay. And yeah. Sam. And yeah. Sam. So went to meet with A24 and his other producer, Kevin Turin, and, you know, kind of talked about this, the story, my vision for it. And then went to HBO, did the whole like two hour pitch where you're just... What's that? Bearing, like? It's insane. It's... Uh, Were you scared? Yeah. I, I just remember starting it like... I have stage fright. All of you are going to be sitting here looking at me like talking. So I apologize ahead of time. I'm very nervous, but I love this show like so intensely that I'm putting myself through the misery and agonizing like process of pitching and talking to you like this uh, because I love this show so much and just like letting them know ahead of time. I'm nervous. I'm probably going to ramble and, um, and then just going for it. I was like, cut me off at any point. And they never did. Like they just let me talk for the whole thing. Yeah. And, um, and then looked at my pictures and then anyway, so it was that. And then it was a few other steps along the way. Like I had to have a phone call and I, I don't know, it was a long process to oh, get the phone job. Phone call with who? With uh, HBO and like the head of the department and then like the producers. And I mean, just, you know, all, all of these people who wanted to make sure that they're going to be able to trust me. And that, I mean, it, it was like questions like, so if you're on set and, um, and you know, your, your script supervisor is telling you that, that the uh i don't know that some that the the that you're on the wrong side of the line like but your dp is like no i'm sure it's fine like who do you trust or what do you do and i'm like well if we have time we just get both you know if we're if all of us are unsure and we can't agree just like weird stuff like that like oh that's answering, odd yeah and like how do you work with your how do you work with your costume designer and i'm like well i send them pictures and then they send me pictures and we discuss our influences and like just weird stuff like that like making sure that you would know what to do and that's so know. odd thank you for that insight into that because yeah. those are those seem like it's like trick questions or something yeah i know it's like i don't know how i would not I, I don't know how you could get these answers wrong. I mean, I don't know. You just, but maybe someone who'd never made a thing before do, doesn't know that, or they were like, "How do you deal with like the nudity in the show? What are you going to do?" And it's like, well, we discuss it and we we like rehearse it extensively ahead of time, or you know, we let the actors know exactly what's happening, make sure everyone's like, it's just weird stuff like that. Yeah, like, you know, I don't know what someone would say. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We're going to do whatever I want to do. And yeah. On the day it. of, I'm going to throw someone out yeah. there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> how hilarious. Yeah. Does everybody go through this process? I don't know. I I don't know if it's just because I wasn't, you know, a first time filmmaker or if that's just their usual process. But wow. Yeah. Okay. Then I got the job. You got the job. And then what was the job like? I mean, I mean, you're like walking into all this like uncharted territory. <laughs> it's so exciting. It's scary. It's like, it was. Were you nervous? No, uh, strangely, no. Just because I felt so linked with the material, it resonated so deeply with me. I I never felt like it was above my means. You know, as a creator, I felt like I I had such a good grasp on it. And and then from that point, it becomes intuitive. I mean, all of that that tedious like 
prepping? The well, the prepping is amazing, but just like the the like the little you know the technical stuff, like all that stuff's the part that I just don't care about. But as soon as it gets into, oh, now we're going to start casting. Like, let's see actors. Like, who's yeah. going to be right for this? And you're looking at costumes and like you're pulling pictures and saying, this is how the bedroom should look. And, you know, just all this stuff. That stuff is the best. Yeah. And as soon as that starts happening, it just, it's like, ah, uh, it's like putting on an old boot. Like, it's just comfortable. Yeah. You know? so it just feels right. Putting on an old boot. Yeah. I love it. Okay. Yeah. Wait, so, and how long was that? How long was the prep for that? And how long was the shoot? So prep started late March, and then uh, we started shooting June 6th, and we shot for 16 days. Wow. Yeah. For just the first episode, the just pilot? Just for the pilot, yeah. And then are you going to direct the second or third episode? Are they going to see if it gets picked up? or what's? The- We're waiting to see if it gets picked up. And then you move forward. And then I have uh, a different project lined up. So. What's that? Top Secret? No, they just announced it yesterday. What? It's, yeah, it's um, it's a movie at Fox uh, with Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> what? It's a re-envisioning of Home Alone, which is one of my favorite Christmas movies of all times. Oh my God. But it's called Home... It's called Stoned Alone, and it's about a pot-smoking guy who's yeah. like, uh, getting paranoid and like uh, his house is getting robbed. It's just like some stuff like this, but yeah. it is, it's one of those scripts also where I got it, and I get so many things sent, and I got it, and just... I was actually at Disneyland alone, which I do, which is one of my favorite things. Oh my God. You t- the first time you did it, you texted me. You're like, should I do this? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. You were yeah. like, yeah, just do it. Yeah, because yeah. I did that and I was like, this is incredible. It's the yeah. best day ever. Yeah. I love Disneyland alone. Yeah. So I had gotten the script while I was there and I was waiting in, in line alone, reading the script, just nearly peeing my pants. It's the funniest thing I've ever read. Oh my God. <laughs> such a unique take on it. And I wrote my agent immediately. I was like, I... I love it. Like, yeah. what do I need to do to make this happen? It is so fucking funny. And so, so yeah. So from there, ended up getting that job. And now we're just um, doing uh, development on the script and getting it where it needs to be, rounding oh out the female characters. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. So wait, are you in rewrites? Do you rewriting some of it too? I'm not writing it. I just give notes and give to notes. the producers and I give notes to the writers and then uh, they'll do a draft and uh, and then we move from there. We're on draft two, so we're about to start draft three. Oh my God. So did you have to pitch on this movie like you did with all the other things or no? I did, but not to the degree that I had to pitch on Euphoria. That's HBO. Oh, that's HBO. Yeah. Oh so this was, I think with, it, it's it's interesting because like with a show like Euphoria, if it gets picked up, it could go on for like 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it is such a huge responsibility to get the pilot right because you're setting that up and wow. you're putting them, you know, setting the train in motion for a show that could go on for who knows how long, like maybe not 10 years, maybe it's happening in one season. Either way, it's a long commitment. The film's a little different, you know, you make it and... And hope it goes well. But yeah, I had to, I think I had like five meetings on home on this project. Oh my God. What were those meetings like? When did you meet Ryan Reynolds? Did you read? I did. He's amazing. The first, the first meeting? No, no, no. I didn't meet him the first meeting. I met him like the second to last meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just super smart, but we'd already emailed and stuff and talked about, you know, our vision of the script and what we felt needed to be done to make it something that we were all happy with. And because he's a producer on it too. He's a producer. Yeah. Oh my God. So you was, who did you meet with at first? Uh, first I met with, um, Matt Riley who works at Fox and, um, 
and we just had the greatest meeting. I actually had, I'd been pitching Euphoria that morning and I was leaving to go home to Texas and they're like, can you squeeze in this meeting with Matt? And I hadn't even thought about the home, the script in like weeks. And I was like, okay, yeah, like I'll go meet with him. And so, um, I'd only like read it the first time and at Disneyland and, and kind of rushed through the ending of it. And I just remember being in the meeting with Matt and he was asking about some of the stuff that happened towards the end. And I was like, I don't know. Like, like, oh my god! I don't know. I really skimmed through like the second half because I was at Disneyland and like. Ah, that's hilarious! What did he I say? Know. He was like, "It's fine. We'll discuss later." But um, but yeah, we just—he's so funny and and so interesting and just such a jolly guy. And Matt just, Riley, Matt Riley. Yeah, we talked for like two hours. What's and his job title there? He's uh, an executive. Uh, I don't know what people. <laughs> I don't know what he does. <laughs> He's like a producing yeah. executive, some something there. Something in charge of something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. he was great. I loved him immediately. And I think like half the pro- half half of the um well, half of what needs to ha- happen to, to be on board a project is that you like the people you're working with. Yeah. And so we just hit it off and then I met with the writers and then I met with um, George, um, who George Dewey is Ryan's producing partner and he's amazing too. Like wow. everyone's just amazing. Yeah. Met with Ryan and then met with the head of Fox, um, Emma Watson. Emma, Emma Watson? Emma Watts? Emma Watson. Oh, wait, no, Emma Watson's back. She's, she's, <laughs> she's Harry Potter, Hermione. Right? Yeah, okay, whoopsies. <laughs> Maybe it's like a, Emma Watts or something. Emma, like oh, that. my God. And this is so, and it feels like so effortless. But that process really did feel pretty effortless, but it was, I mean, that, that portion of it was, but then you get into dissecting the script and, you know, getting all these things that need to be done. So that's a lot more effort. Yeah. And it all, but it all started with making, but like scrapping the first, never going back, right? And really wanting to make sure your first feature effort is great, and is like what you wanted to be. And and oh god, this is incredible. Yeah, it's it, it's it's playing for the long game. Like playing. I'm a long game <laughs> expert. I'm like you are. I got pregnant at 18. I'm like I don't care. I'm eventually going to accomplish my goals, and I don't care how long it takes me. I'm just going to keep forging ahead. Yeah. If it takes me, because like all of these years, I'm going to be the best mom. But it's not even a decision. You're like, hey, I'm going to be the best mom I could be. You just slip into that role and you just do the thing that makes you happy. And for me, that was hanging out with my daughter and yeah. you know being around her and doing that. And then uh, and then it was. It was a process from there. Like, I'm just going to start making shorts and then I'm just going to, you know, if it takes a little bit, it takes a little bit. I, yeah. I never feel like time's an obstacle. You don't. That's so nice. You don't, you don't go, oh, if I don't do it by this time, I'm fucked. It's over. No, because what's the alternative? Just giving up and then thinking, but then, you know, that's ridiculous. It's yeah. ridiculous. I could never see myself doing something that I hate. I can always see myself working towards doing something I love, yeah. but I can never see myself settling in and just accepting defeat and doing something I hate. Yeah. I'd rather be miserable for like 10 years working to get to a place that I love yeah. than being maybe, I don't know, what is, is that happiness if you decide, hey, I don't... No. No, you just keep working towards it. Yeah. I remember even talking about this with David and saying, like, just being like, you know, I was frustrated with something, this and that. And he said, as long as you're still working towards doing the thing. Yes. It's it's good. Like it's yeah. you're good. You're not a failure. You're not a this. <laughs> you're not a that. It's like because you're you're still moving towards your goal and you're hustling and you're alive and you're yeah. You're you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're creating, you're creating momentum, whether it be like a slow, slow, steady climb or, you know, yeah. but you're not just stagnant. I feel like giving up is such a stagnant place to be and giving it's such up, a fear-based yeah. decision. Oh, fear-based I decision. I just can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> and so I would rather, and, and it is tough because you see people around you. I mean, I remember when I was, I don't know, Athena was like five and I was still waiting tables yeah. and pursuing acting and getting a phone call from someone who also had a five-year-old daughter and she and I had gone to school together and um, she'd gotten married and I was still single and she had, I don't know, started some like, I don't even know what her business was, but she was like, you should consider doing this because you can't wait tables forever and uh, you should think about, you know, the future and settling down, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, that's great. Like, yeah, that's, uh, I'm so happy for you. And just like thinking I would rather die. <laughs> I would kill myself if I had to do that. I was like, I would just yeah. rather wait tables forever. I would rather, you know, do shitty alcohol promotions. I just don't care. I will keep doing the thing. And then I eventually got my yoga teaching certification and and was doing that, which was the best. It was? Oh, yeah. I love teaching yoga. But that was that was uh, one of those things where I was like, okay, I could teach yoga for the for like 20 years if I need to while I'm trying to accomplish the thing that I want to accomplish. Yeah. And I'll be happy along the way, but I'll still be forward momentum. Yeah. I would never just like quit. Because there's hope. There's always hope. You're yeah. There's hope. Yeah. And typically, if you're moving towards it, you're going to get there. That you, might take a minute, but you'll Really? Get there. I think so. Oh my God. You're the most inspiring person in the entire <laughs> world. And as far as like the film, you know, people are like, you know, hashtag filmmaker Friday and all this thing, which is a beautiful thing. But do you feel like, because there are two components, do you, there's like the outside forces that is like, you know, the industry and it is very male dominated and all this stuff. But there are so many good people. Mm. There are so many good people, you know, and there are bad people, but there are so many good people uh, in the industry. But it is male dominated. Sure. So what is the ratio or what are your thoughts on like, I'm, I'll just keep saying the industry and yeah. outside forces. <laughs> the biz. The yeah. biz. The Tinseltown, the biz versus... Uh, the internal workings of women and a mind frame uh, that has to change as well. Like when you say like, oh, you know, I had this uh, people pleasery aspect or like a fixer mentality or you just, or even like need, you didn't say this verbatim, but when you're like needing permission to like, oh, am I allowed to ask? And I brought it up with with David and am I allowed, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was scary to ask. And I don't know if I don't want to put that on all women and say that's a female thing, but I do think it's kind of like, you know, uh, predominantly women who who feel like they need permission mm-hmm. or they don't feel strong enough or they don't have enough examples to look at, you know. Right. So, what do women need to know internally to be stronger and to to give themselves permission? And then also, what is the 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 biz need to do <laughs> to change? But I think maybe the internal stuff. It's probably more important and more immediate. Yeah, for sure. I think one thing that, like you said, it's the people pleaser aspect. And I think it starts with just doing things that fulfill us. And so you start accepting the things that make you happy and then moving towards those things. Then I think people around you respond to that. It doesn't always happen. I mean, I've come across people who... Who are not as amazing as the guys that I work with, the you know Sailor Bear and and my team and and Liz is one of my producers and woman. They're all so amazing and um, but even like these guys at at Fox, they're all so great. They're just amazing human beings and they listen and they respond and we have like a give and take collaboration and um, 
And I think that comes from, it comes from knowing yourself enough to say, I like this and my idea is relevant and important and not being afraid to just like speak your mind. And that is something I've tried to talk to Athena about, like my daughter, it's like, uh, you need to just speak up more, you know, instead of just kind of waiting to be approached about a thing, just assert yourself. And it, it is a matter of being assertive, I guess. And I don't know, I'm rambling. I don't no. really know what the answer is other than like find the thing that that you feel strongly about and don't be afraid of going after that thing. Yeah. Because your opinions and your ideas are valid and we want them. Like I want to I want to hear them. Every time I hear people with a unique perspective or something that hasn't been done before, it's so nice and so refreshing and Getting that through to the masses is hard. Not everybody is wanting to see or do that because there's a lack of familiarity with it. And so if people aren't familiar with it, they're not always as likely to accept it and embrace it. But as soon as you start putting out there and developing more of a familiarity, then that thing is a little bit easier to tackle the next go round. Yeah, it you know? creates room and space for it. And exactly. It's just like girls, you know, sex in the city and girls. And, exactly. And it makes room for more, you know, women's voices and stories and yes. just different kind of bodies on the screen and whatever. Yes. Um, oh, God. Well, Jesus Christ. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Then the industry at large, I don't know. I think people are becoming aware of it. And the more we speak out and the more women speak out and the more we start embracing each other and like helping each other come up and, and helping people tell their stories that we haven't seen before, the more there will be a desire for it. Yeah. And yeah. But I think the industry's, I mean, in my experience, I've been very lucky in that things have moved pretty fast and people have been wanting to bring me on board. Yeah. Maybe because I have good ideas, maybe because I'm a woman and they need to like fill a fucking demographic. I don't know. I don't care. I just <laughs> like, <laughs> like uh, put me in because I'm going to do the job and I know it's going to be something that I'm proud of and hopefully you know, makes everyone happy. Yeah. But if not, at least I'll be happy. Yeah. And I even like the fact that like when you did your pitch at HBO, that you weren't like fronting and trying to be this some version of yourself that you aren't, but you were like, I'm really nervous. This is who I am. This is, I'm just walking through it. I'm going to be authentically me. And that's such a beautiful thing because, and then you got the job and it's just like, okay to just as a reminder that it's okay to like be your complete self. Yeah, authenticity is so important, I think. Yeah. I crave it from other people. I just want it. I hate any sort of game or like fronting. I hate that shit. Yeah. And it's so destructive. So when people are open and honest and authentic, yeah. it, everything runs more smoothly. Yeah. Oh my God. What, what do you feel about like, because you live in Texas. Mm-hmm. I know you wanted to live in LA mm-hmm. and you lived here for a little bit when, why? David was working on something? Yeah. He was in post-production on Pete's Dragon. On Pete's Dragon. So why did you guys decide to move to Texas and do you think you would ever move here a little bit or what? Um, we ended up going back to Texas and at the time... I was fine with it. I love living in LA. I think it's... Isn't it great? It's the best. I, I love re- LA. I know, it's yeah. so good. Jesus. I remember coming to your place and, and we were looking kind of in this neighborhood and you were like, I love my neighborhood. It's the best neighborhood. It is. And we ended up getting a place like three streets down. Totally. And I was like, I love this neighborhood too. Yeah. And 
when I was here last, I was over in Los Feliz, which is great as well, but I'm so happy that I lived on this side of town. It's just so walkable. It's yeah. convenient. You're close to everything. You have two Whole Foods and an airline, which are the things that matter to me. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. a veggie grill, Crossroads and Gracias Mater. Anyway, yeah. yeah. So it's like all the spots are closed. Vegan spots. She's and vegan. at the time, yeah. And we had um, New Beverly, we had Cine Family, oh, and we had yeah. The Grove all in this triangle. Yeah. Well, don't tell people exactly where I live. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> Okay, settle down before you give out the exact street address. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Somewhere in West Hollywood. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. But then you moved. So you, but then, because David wanted to live in Texas? Yeah. Why? What's his problem? Well, we ended up going back, and I knew I was going to shoot my movie there. And so oh, that was good. really helpful. It was yeah. like, okay, we could not make this movie here in LA, not only because logistically it's difficult, but because it doesn't look like the place that Wasn't I true. wanted to take place in. Yeah. And so... That was a good motivator for getting back. And then once I made it, having been here and then having been back there, being in the space of Texas is my favorite. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing. And I think it's uh, something I'd taken for granted for a long time. My physical proximity to other human beings there's a greater distance between me and other humans and dust. <laughs> I love people. I love yeah. being around them, but I need my space. I need silence. I need, like, energetically, I need to be alone a lot. And so even, to refresh. Even away from David? Oh, yeah. Like, we can be in the same house and go hours without even seeing or talking to each other. We'll text from one room to the next. But yeah. Oh, yeah. And sometimes we'll go and see each other. But yeah, I could be up in my office working. And then he's gone to do whatever. I don't know that he left. I mean, yeah, we're completely self... We, we run on our own time and our own schedules and oh and it works really well like that. How long did it take to get that way? Where it's like like autonomous we're, relationship, where you're both like your own people, separate. Yeah, well, separate we were later together. in life that we... You know, I was... What was... Oh, so what am I? 39, so... Yeah, it was like 30 when we got together, 31. So that's a good long time to be alone and to be doing your own thing. Yeah. And I think it works for the both of us. Yeah. We we both need that alone time and we both feel like we're going to come back together. You know, it'll be fine. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we we had that pretty quickly, I think. But yeah, so I love that space. Yeah. I love it. I was just in New York and I was on the subway and I realized like I'm physically touching other oh! strangers and like it's hot and I'm sweaty and they're close to me and and I love energy from people but too much of it and I Ooh. I uh you know <laughs> like <sighs> I have kind of a break and not a breakdown but you know I I get overstimulated really yeah, easily me and too. so yeah, so I like that space in Dallas. Do you talk to your mom and your dad? I talked to my mom. I haven't talked to my dad in like, I don't know, 20 years. 20 years? Yes. And it's okay, right? Yeah. Maybe 15 years. It's been a while. Yeah. No, I don't mind that I don't talk to him. I think there was a point in my life when I let go of the people who were uh, chaotic and he was one of those chaotic people. Yeah. My, I don't talk to my dad either for years. Yeah. And I'm just going to be okay with it. Yeah, I have no issues with it. I've never been one of those people who was like, oh, I need my dad's reassurance. Like, I never needed it. I've never needed that for men. I don't know why. I feel really wow. lucky because I think of a lot of women who've had dads who aren't involved. They are seeking that out in relationships. And maybe there's an aspect of me that does that um, and needs, like, reassurance from David. I definitely do. Yeah. Um, but I never feel... I've never felt that that thing... I've never looked for the answer in men. In men. Yeah. 
I just accepted. I have for sure. Have you? Yeah. I mean, I think haven't I? Maybe. I'm sure you could. You could say. Oh God. Okay. What are you off to next? Because now you know you're on a whole publicity thing. What's your day like? What's going on today? Um, I don't know. I think I heard them at the door. I'm gonna my press people. We gotta we gotta Uh, land this plane. (laughs) I just have a bunch of interviews. I have a couple more podcasts. I have what podcast are you doing? Uh, let me see. We have, we, have, we have to land this frame, plane properly. <laughs> you? I'm doing the Lion's Den. Do you know this podcast? I don't know what that is. Um, well, let's end this one first before we talk yeah, about this. Yeah, let's okay. do that. And then Athena, where's your daughter right now? She's in Knoxville, Tennessee shooting a movie. So she's got a role in this film that oh also God. is Sailor Bear Films, but she had to audition, like do the whole thing. And really? She it. Yeah. So and she makes there. films also too, right? She does, yeah. This is a whole creative, beautiful family. This tapestry <laughs> of wonderful people. Um, well, how long are you in Los Angeles for? I leave Saturday. You leave Saturday? Are you coming back anytime? Like when? No plans. No plans. I'm sure I'll back? be back. And yeah. when, you, when are you shooting uh, the Fox movie? You're still writing it. Or yeah, you guys, you guys writing it. January. In January. In Los Angeles? I don't know. We, we don't know yet. Maybe Chicago, since that's where the first one well, was made. Well, my God. And then, uh, I don't know, What do you, any words of wisdom, any things you want to leave men and women, aspiring <laughs> filmmakers? I don't know. I say just keep moving forward. Just keep moving keep forward. Keep moving forward. Yeah, just keep creating. Keep making yourself heard. Making yourself heard. Oh my God. Well, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. This it's a dream come true. Like it's Steve. a dream come true for me. No idea. <laughs> Athena's next. Athena, yeah. you're next. <laughs> Got it going. All right. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.